gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my Rochester, Minnesota, home of the famous Mayo Clinic, and uh, we're going to be talking about Dubai and some of the things that have been happening between Dubai and the Mayo Clinic in Dubai and and organ harvesting and all that fun stuff. Right, right. So, um, and, and you've also been covering, well, you've been covering also, there's been some murders of people that you've been doing research on. That um, that was pretty interesting in your your videos a few back. Yeah, I may as well break this on your show. Um, this is going to be a major news story. <laughs> uh, okay. I always wait to give you the give you the breaks. Okay. Um, <laughs> I um, so so there's this story about the Awan brothers. Okay, and for those who haven't followed it, it started out just looking like a financial oddity in Washington where these three brothers were all making $160,000, uh, and which is three times the median income of a, of a congressional staffer. Um, but what became more odd is the fact that they none of them were born in the United States. As a matter of fact, they were all born in Pakistan. Um, and 
the third thing that didn't quite add up was uh, their father seemed to have some connections to the Pakistani intelligence services and the security forces that manage the drug area of Punjab, Pakistan. That also seemed a little odd. And then uh, we are finding a lot of dual uses of social security numbers, lots and lots of safe houses. For instance, Imran Awan has uh, 12 houses in and around, uh, which is odd, again, for somebody who is full-time at the Congress working for uh, 20 different congressional staffers. So uh, there's, there's 12 houses. They're in car dealerships. There's, there's 22 businesses at all. And all in the Virginia area of Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. So um, uh, it doesn't look like a normal person that goes to work every day on the Washington Metro. Right. Yeah. So uh, following up, I mean, the story breaking today or breaking a couple of minutes ago is I just published the Social Security number of who I believe is uh, Imran Awan's father. And his real name is Ashraf. Just think of Ash on a raft, as far as the, the words ash, A-S-H, and then R-A-F, no T. So A-S-H-R-A-F. And I believe he uh, was was the father of it all. He was the father of the Awan brothers and father of the whole operations. I just published uh, on Twitter, which is at TruthLeaks, T-R-U-T-H-L-E-A-K-S. I just published uh, about another 12 homes uh, all over the country, and I believe... Uh, I do believe now it's a drug network. Um, there's lots and lots of uh, evidence to support that. Um, and I have, I have uh, uncovered a Pakistani article about him. Uh, and basically what he did is he went to a farm co-op. You know, these farm co-ops that you have where all the farmers buy all their feed and fertilizer, you know. And uh, he went into, like, a partnership with the guy who owned it. Then uh, he sported or he splaunted his son uh, being a, a really important person in the United States. This is in Pakistan. So he went to this co-op. Uh, to these, uh, to this co-op in Pakistan, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to bring in my son. He's a very high-level White House official, White House, you know, trade official." So they brought him in. I believe that I believe that's going to be uh, Omar Awan, but his name in, in this is uh, Shahid, uh, Shahid um, Imran. So it's kind of like these names get a little different, but just think of the Shah and asking for the Shah's ID, the Shah of Iran. So, Shahid. Okay. So, we know, we know uh, from published reports, right, that Imran Awan, when he goes to Pakistan, has a VIP escort, uh, and that was published in papers today uh, uh, by a lawsuit filed in Fairfax County, Virginia. Uh, April, it was filed April 16th. Um, uh, anyway, the, the the general modus operandi is uh, they bring in this guy from U.S. the USA, and uh, they say, okay, we want to do this big project, this USAID project, and it's maybe let's say it's to grow a new type of mango, you know, or some kind of new fruit or whatever. Let's just say it's a mango, a Pakistani mango. Okay. And um, you say, well, but we need to have a large piece of ground. You know, it's got to be really big, really big. Um, so could you go to these farmers? Could you go to the farmers that you know? Now I'm talking to the co-op guy. Could you go to these farmers and uh, get them all to go in together so that it looks like one big piece of land 
transfer your ownership to one big uh, one big co-op. Um, and, and some go for it because they're going to make so much money selling their land or they're going to make so much money doing something. It's kind of like the a big version of the pigeon drop, the old pigeon drop. So these farmers put their land in co-op, and then, of course, what happens is the deal falls through. Okay. Now, okay. Um, I, 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 my name is Ashraf, right? I am in partnership with this guy in the co-op. Okay. Well, this is exactly what happens. This is an article in Dawn, D-A-W-N, the Pakistani publication Dawn, in 2009. You can just Google for the name Ashraf, A-S-H-R-A-F. What he then does is has uh, his partner conveniently die in a car accident. Okay? So if you follow this now, co-op owns all 12 of the farms. The co-op can't pay its bill. Now the now the partner dies and it, now it falls to me. I, I'm Ashraf, right? And now I go to the widow and say, "Hey, put all those assets in my name. Put all your assets in my name because he owes me money. I I, I loan him a, a a large sum of money." So this is exactly what happened. This is exactly what happened. If you go read this article in Dawn Magazine, and now. The farmers are all going to uh, the farmers are all going to be up in arms. Hey, you stole my land! What are you doing? Um, and the local police are behind them because they've been, you know, they've known them for years. Well, you bring in the national police, then you bring in the national police, sort of like our FBI, and you get and there it's called the PSP, and you hammer the farmers and tell them to be quiet, or else they're going to end up dead. Um, this is exactly what happened with Ashraf Awan, and I believe he is the father of Imran Awan. And he, so the same Awan brother story, same Awan brother story I've been covering about all the different uh, safe houses in Virginia. And this is the father now, the father now who started the whole business in the United States, um, and. Uh, I, I will show that. Uh, if you go to the, if people can't believe this story, but if you go to the Dawn publication 2009 and read it, uh, and Google the name Ashraf A S H R A F Awan A W A N, you'll see that I'm telling the truth. And this is going to be the father. I just published all the all the homes he owns in the United States. I just published it on Twitter with his social security number ending in seven three seven five. Okay. So he's got homes all over the United States? He's got homes all over the United States. I believe they're going to be safe houses for MS-13 kids. They're bringing in MS-13 kids kind of as the privates and corporals uh, to um, uh, do uh, murders uh, in the United States of police officers that complain about drug rat lines. I know that sounds hard to believe, um, but it, it's going to be true. Uh, when I'm, I'm, if you watch my series, you'll see me going to a series of places where there's been these three-man teams that have been murdered. Um, right. The Sarnayovs in in, um, in Boston at the Boston bombing murdered their predecessors, which was a three-man team. Then they were murdered. There was three people in the Boston bombing, not just two. Um, uh, the other partner dies in Syria conveniently in a, in a suicide bomb. Omar Mateen, do you remember the Omar Mateen shooting in Orlando where 50 people were killed? Right. He's going to be a member of a three-man team down there. Uh, I went to Fort Wayne where three Somali kids were murdered, um, right. and that's going to also be an MS-13 murder. 
Um, I just went to, uh, in Indianapolis, I just went to Delphi where two uh, young girls were murdered, a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old in Delphi, Indiana. Those are going to be MS-13 connected murders, again, driven by this extremist Pakistani group um, out of the National Islamic Center in, in Plainfield, Indiana, Plainfield. So again, this isn't an anti-Muslim thing at all. It's not an anti-Pakistani thing. It's not an anti-Pakistani extremist jihadist group thing. It's it's an anti-Pakistani jihadist extremist uh, sect. It's a small sect called Jat, J-A-T-T. It's a small tribe within the Pakistani extremist movement. It used to be called um, uh, it used to be called uh, uh, Jamaat. Uh, Jamaat al-Fukra, F-U-Q-R-A. So it's extremely violent, extremely uh, 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 aggressive, uses all kinds of uh, terror tactics uh, for shipping drugs in the United States. And you're going to find MS-13, all the news about MS-13 are just going to be the soldiers, are just going to be the, 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 the privates and corporals in this whole thing that Jeff Sessions was talking about. The real officers in the army are going to be this Jamaat al-Fukra. Now they're called, uh, they changed their name to uh, Muslims in America. But um, uh, it's the same group. It's this extremist called, a tribe called Jat, J-A-T-T, in the north part of Pakistan, uh, in the Punjab region of Pakistan. Right. And I'm breaking it on your show first, but this will be national news, I can tell you, unless there's just some incredible cover-up that I, I can't foresee. There's too much information I'm putting out on it, and people can go to my Twitter feed and see the actual. They can see, for instance, seven or eight different homes with seven or eight different aliases, and then the 7375 serial code, serial number used at the end of, the, of that. So there's no, there's no hiding the truth of the, these locations. Right. Now, now, was that um, was that the, the father or whatever that you had thought had died? Yeah, I, I never believed that he had died. Yeah, I never had you, believed no, Muhammad Shah had so, died. Yeah. That, that was another question. You know, why would the father be named Muhammad Shah and the son be named Imran Awan and all the boys be named Imran Awan? Uh, Imran Awan, Omar Awan, Jamal Awan, uh, Abid Awan, it doesn't make any sense why their father would be Muhammad Shah. Um, I always thought his last name was going to be a one. I just didn't know his first name. And his first name is going to be Ashraf, A-S-H-R-A-F. Um, but if you remember the story, that, well, there's a story that came out yesterday in the Daily Caller, yesterday, by Luke Rosiak of the Daily Caller, uh, that publishes the uh, complaint uh, on April 16th, of the of the stepmother, the stepmother of at that time Muhammad Shah, she didn't know he was using a false name, but the stepmother of Muhammad Shah, which is which she says the boys threatened to kill her relatives and kidnap her relatives in Pakistan in this north uh, northeast part of of Punjab, um, they made her change exactly like the same modus operandi of the of Ashraf Awan in Pakistan. They made him change, they made the mother change her inheritance to the boys, the Awan boys. Um, they uh, imprisoned her in the house in Springfield, Virginia. I've been to all 12 of these houses, by the way. 
Um, they uh, also um, uh, uh, threatened uh, uh, her with the silence that they were tapping her phone calls. Um, so all this is in the, in the Daily Caller yesterday. Luke Rosiak, you can look it up. It's R-O-S-I-A-K. Right. So did he? And so he he got a hold of her complaint and, and published it in the story. Yes. Yes. Uh, I published uh, the social security numbers. I, I, you know, Evelyn, I was in a tough spot. I, for 190 days, I've been publishing this information, and I've withheld the social security numbers uh, because I didn't want to unfairly affect the situation. And I've been asking uh, uh, Mr. Uh, McCabe, Andrew McCabe, number two at the FBI, who runs the counterterrorism division, I've been asking him for 190 days to take on the case, and they refuse to take on the case. And these are people that don't just work in the lobby at the U.S. Congress building. They work in the Longwood office building right across the street from the Capitol building. They work for the uh, 20 different U.S. House of Representatives. They're all Democrats in this case. They've worked for up to 90 or 80. They've worked for up to 80. And these, these House Democrats are on the most sensitive committees in the United States. The House Permanent Select right. Committee on Intelligence, the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security Committee, uh, and also the Foreign Affairs Committee. And even worse, the subcommittee on the Foreign Intelligence Committee for, uh, for drone strikes and Navy SEAL operations is called the Emerging right. Threats. The Emerging Threats Subcommittee, and they they work. Andre Carson, one of the people Imran works for, uh, is Andre Carson, who sits on that committee. So he would know about the Yemen raid, for instance, where the Navy SEAL was killed. He would also have known about the the raid in Afghanistan uh, in August sixth uh, of two thousand eleven. Uh, that was the largest loss of life ever by a uh, U.S. Army. Uh, there was 22 people killed in that helicopter. There was 30 people killed in all that day. Someone compromised both of those operations. Someone compromised both of those operations. So here, we, you know, you can imagine my frustration if I've identified a leak with these Awan brothers inside the United States government at the highest levels of security, right, and the FBI is not taking the case. So I tried for 190 days. And at this point, I can no longer wait. National security demands that I publish these these social security numbers because these guys use fake names when they buy stuff. Right, right. And I was going to I was going to ask you to explain what the benefit of, of publishing those social security numbers is to the listeners. Well, well, let's say I bought a house from you, or let's say one of these guys bought a house from you, and and uh, or or were renting a house from you, and then they were putting MS13 in there. Okay, to kill local police explain officers. Explain what didn't MS-13 wanna... is. Okay. MS-13. What's that? Explain what MS-13 is. Some of the listeners probably don't oh, know who that, sure, what that sure. means. Oh, sure. So MS-13 is a gang that started, was brought in, was created by the CIA, CIA was brought in. These were El Salvador uh, survivors uh, from the Iran-Contra um, war that we created with the Sandinistas. Uh, when we were trying to uh, overthrow Somoza in Nicaragua. So we trained uh, an elite group of special forces uh, in Honduras. We trained them in El Salvador. We trained them in Guatemala uh, to go over the border at night, go in and do night, night killings, and then come back over the border, and then go back to being policemen or whatever, usually policemen or cab drivers, uh, on the other side of the border. Uh, that this was uh, uh, in El Salvador. Well, through uh, several diplomatic relations, we brought 
them in then as war refugees. But these are trained killers. These are not just war refugees. Ninety percent are going to be ninety percent are nice, nice folks that are really trying to get away from the war. But then ten percent are these trained killers because we're doing the same drug rat lines here that we're doing. If you remember Iran Contra, we were flying drugs into Mena Airport in Arkansas and then flying guns in the opposite direction for the for the for the Contras, right? So uh, they were brought into Los Angeles initially. The MS-13 was brought into Los Angeles um, to do uh, basically do killings on both sides of I can't remember what avenue it was, but there was some some street in Los Angeles that d- divides now the Crips and the Bloods. So MS-13 killed people on the north side, and then organizers went in to create the Crips, the Bloods on that side of the street, whatever it is, I can't remember, in South Central. And then the MS-13 killed people on the south side, and then blamed it on the people on the north side. So that's how the Crips and Bloods were created. The reason why you do that is called gang counter-gang. The reason why you create gangs is so you create a no-go zone for law enforcement. You don't want law enforcement coming and going all the time and watching what you're doing when you're doing drug operations. So if, you, if you're flying drugs in or if you're driving drugs in and unloading them, you don't want a lot of police around when that's happening. Um, and that's what was created in Maxine Waters. Um, in Maxine Waters' uh, district was a, go, a no-go zone for law enforcement. Uh, this was reported on very widely by Gary Webb and also by uh, Michael Rupert, who was an ex-FBI FBI agent and CIA agent and, and, and uh, police officer of the city of Los Angeles. Now, MS-13 starts there, but then they spread the gang counter-gang strategy to most major cities in the United States, and it spread all the way to uh, Long Island, for instance, in New York. Um, and so there's a corridor running from Washington, D.C., to, the, uh, to New York now, which is MS-13. Now, you'll hear Jeff Sessions and, and, and uh, Donald Trump talking about MS-13, like uh, it somehow sprung out of the ground, you know, naturally. Right. And that's, yeah. nothing could be further from the truth. It was created by the CIA in 1984 from Iran-Contra, and we're still dealing with that today, 33 years later. Right. Right. They're running the whole show, right? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the the folks at the CIA, uh, you know, uh, this has been a continual process since the Vietnam War. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, Iran-Contra was the start of when the CIA started running drugs. It wasn't. Um, it's just when the uptick in, in Central America occurred. I mean, we ran drugs from the Golden Triangle from uh, the Vietnam War, and we ran drugs through Cuba um, from Turkey, um, you know, since 1947. Uh so I, I don't mean to say, oh, the CIA just decided to get into drugs in 1984, but this MS-13 specifically comes from the Iran-Contra 1984, Bloods, Crips, Los Angeles. Uh, and this is the Gary Webb Dark Alliance series. This is Michael Rupert also writes quite a bit about this way back when. Of course, they both died young, uh, uh, right. you know, uh, mysterious suicide. Well, I'm very happy that you are still with us, George. Yeah. <laughs> I worry about you every day when I watch your videos. You get, you get to do this job until you die. <laughs> yep, yep, I know. I know. I know. And let's hope that's not soon, George. I, I would kind of like to move out that deadline, you know. <laughs> I don't find yeah, reporting yeah, on this stuff. Yeah, there is no deadline, is it? Yeah. Right. 
So you okay? So we go back. You publish those social security numbers, and and, it, and then I butted in and asked you to explain these other things. But go ahead and explain. Then you said if they buy a house from me, go ahead. Sure. And explain let's them. say let, let's say I'm gonna let's say you own a farm co-op in uh, right where we are in Minnesota. Okay. And what I want to okay. do is I want to create a uh, I want to create a place to grow pot. Let's say. And I want to bring in people that I have was using in, uh, let's say, Central America, okay? And I want to bring in uh, Guatemalans to raise the pot. Well, I'd go to you as a co-op grower, and I'd say, hey, Evelyn, um, uh, why don't you go into this deal with me? If we can get a big enough area where we can land a helicopter like Nina Airport and we can get a straight uh, uh, you know, shot to the local airport, you know, if we can own all the land around that so we don't have a lot of visitors, uh, wouldn't that be a great idea? Can we get all the landowners together? Well, uh, we're going to uh, buy it out at double the price, okay? And you go, oh, well, that sounds great. And you say, well, before I do that, you know, why don't you tell me what your Social Security number is just so I can run a background check, okay? Because I don't want to do a $20 million deal with 12 different farmers before I run a background check on you. And I run a background check on your social security number. It turns out you're not who you say you are at all. You're actually, your name's Ashraf Awan, and you've, uh, you, you've uh, killed your business partner in uh, Pakistan, and you uh, have uh, took 12 farmers' land away in Pakistan, and now you own, it uh, seems like you own 28 homes all over the United States with 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 crime associated with them. I don't think I want to go into business with you. But if I say my name's Muhammad Shah, you go, "Oh, Muhammad Shah. Yo, that's that's a good name. Uh geez, that, you know, that's wonderful." So so it's just so that people don't get into business, uh don't do any real estate dealings with these folks, don't do any um uh especially business deals because that's where the the swindle uh comes in and then you find um, you know, after you after uh, you get hit with a, in a car accident, then they go to your your wife and, and then threaten and say, "Oh, you you need to give the rest of the business over over to me." And that's their mo. That's 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 Muhammad Shah's mo, uh, who I believe to be this Ashraf Awan. Right. Well, for the longest time, you couldn't even get any pictures of these people or anything, could you? Two, uh, it's good that you mentioned that. Two pictures were just published um, by uh, Luke Rosiak and the Daily Caller uh, yesterday, um, and I don't believe those are correct pictures. Uh, Imran yeah. has a picture with Bill Clinton that I, I put on my site for the last 100 days, but the Daily Caller just published two pictures, which I don't think look anything like who I think they are. Uh, but, um, you know, Daily Caller is a well-known magazine. Uh, Tucker Carlson's, it's Tucker Carlson's magazine, basically. So I don't want to call Tucker Carlson into question, but I just I just don't think those are the pictures, uh, and that's why I, I published their social security numbers because somebody's going to look down on their form uh, for whatever you know. Somebody's going to have done business with them and go, "That's not them. That's not that's not who that is." So I don't know that to be certain. I don't. I'm still doing reporting on that. I don't know if if, if those are if that is Jamal Awan or Abid Awan or not. I do. I have published information to show that Abid Awan has also used the name Omar Awan to buy homes, two different aliases right. to buy homes. So uh, I'm not unfairly publishing this information. When you when you if if it was the same person, Evelyn, if it was the same person, if Ash uh, Roth Awan was the same name on all 12 of these transactions I just published, I wouldn't have published it because that means to tell me he's using his real name. But when he's using five or six different names, then that tells me for the same Social Security number, 
To me, that's a red flag. To me, that's a red flag. Right. Well, where is he living now? Well, I believe he's in Pakistan. Um, uh, I believe he's in the Punjab region of Pakistan. I actually believe he's the head of the PSP uh, uh, brigade. Uh, PSP, and I believe he is the person who funds what's called SPS, or, or SSP, which is a radical uh, Islamic group that is killing people in the uh, Kashmir part of uh, the India. India controls part of Kashmir, and Pakistan uh, controls a sliver. I believe they're running night raids right now into, uh, into uh, controlled Kashmir. Um, and uh, doing murders right now uh, in uh, in Kashmir uh, from Punjab, and I believe well, that's how much murdering is going on in this country. As far as uh, well, killing MS, people off to get organs, and... murdering police all the time. Uh, if you if you don't if you don't go along with, and this is all going to come out later, and I don't expect it to come out anytime soon. But if you don't go along with when your Joint Terrorism Task Force officer, this Joint Terrorism Task Force was created by the FBI to create rat lines like they're running overseas in the United States. It's been developed over 20 years very quietly. It's JTTF. It's not really a Joint Terrorism Task Force like they said and got funding for. It's a Joint Terror Task Force because it's terrorizing local police forces and um, uh, state police forces. County police forces, they're trying to in, in, infiltrate with these dying core sheriffs, you know, uh, that are from overseas. They've been military police officers, and they're trying to bring them back in at the county level. But every once in a while, a police officer will go, hey, wait a minute. This is a drug operation. And if that guy keeps talking, MS-13 gets a call. And that, and you'll, you'll find, you, 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 you just watch now, three-man team murders. They'll be by Somalis. They'll be by uh, 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 MS-13, uh, El Salvador. You may see a few, used to see a few back in Los Angeles from uh, Vietnamese when they, when they brought the Hmongs in from Vietnam that had been trained by special forces. So, so the tribes or whatever group or country changes, depending on who the CIA is training, uh, but but they use these three-man teams because you come at somebody face-on, usually along a wall. They'll usually approach you know somebody along a wall, so there's no escape to that side. And then the th- and then you triangulate one in front, one in back, and one to the side. Which whatever way the guy goes, that's the person that shoots him. So usually to I, outside bystanders, it just looks like one person shooting a police officer. But it's actually there's a three-man team that have closed in on the person. And this is a common uh, CIA assassination uh, thing, three-on-one. They don't take anything to chance. They don't do this one-on-one stuff you see in the movies. It's three-on-one. It's a team. It's a team. Right. Yeah. Well, talk about this organ harvesting operation that's going on and, uh, and the different hospitals that are involved in this and and, uh, and, then, oh, and about the so... what they're making off these organ harvesting, killing people and stealing their organs right in this country now. Yeah. Well, very few people realize how profitable organs are. <laughs> uh, right. You're finding out more and more, aren't you? I mean, you just found out about intestinal transplants. Yeah, intestines. I didn't realize that Indianapolis uh, Medical Center does intestinal implants. Um, your heart's about 250 Your lungs are about $200,000. Hey, $200, I'm talking about. Um, right. Your pancreas is about 150 Your kidneys each are worth about 150 um, now, I'm talking about the retail price that the hospital would charge to the customer, uh, to the right. to the patient. Uh, obviously, the blackmail, uh, black market costs are a lot less. Bone marrow, bone marrow. Your bone marrow is one of the most valuable resources 
it's sold as kind of a, a cord blood for people who are, who are um, recovering from various autoimmune uh, diseases, as well as uh, some people have that bone marrow disease. I can't remember what the name of it is right off the top of my hat, uh, head, but um, it's sort of a form of leukemia. Um, uh, but um, so the different leukemias uh, and uh, bones. I, I, I just found out yesterday, I, I talked to the top transplant person. Uh, she's been on a team for 35 years. She's worked with the top transplant people uh, in the country. These people were trained in the University of Denver, which is kind of a CIA school for transplants. One of them came out of that was Shumway. Shumway uh, started heart transplants at Stanford. The other one was Starzl, a guy named Starzl. He started liver transplants in the United States. He moved to University of Pittsburgh, so she was there on his team, University of Pittsburgh, to start liver transplants. Livers are good too; they're about two hundred thousand. Um, but these, uh, but the story after story of a here comes this uh, sheikh from uh, Abu Abu Dhabi or from Dubai, United Arab Emirates, and uh, UAE. If people don't know the UAE very well, United Arab Emirates very well, there were seven emirates that were combined. Basically, these were the non-royal family, but close to royal family. And, and Abu Dhabi, or UAE, is in the critical, critical bottleneck of the Strait of Hormuz. So strategically, it's incredibly important for British intelligence and CIA intelligence to control that area. So the United Emirates, that's why they call it United Arab Emirates, one of the emirates was Dubai, which is the biggest one. The second one, biggest one is Abu Dhabi. Okay. Uh, so story after story of these sheikhs uh, from Saudi Arabia and UAE coming into Pittsburgh Hospital, renting a whole floor, a whole floor, 14th floor, top floor, uh, best, you know, huge flowers every day when they're getting their whatever transplant. Uh, she did heart, she did lungs, she did uh, uh, livers there, I, kidneys also. Sometimes we do a kidney and a pancreas for diabetic type situations. So, um, um that's where it all started. And this is 1980s. This is 1984, 85. Well, two of the key back. universities. Yeah, that far back. Um, so two of the key universities are going to be involved. One is going to be is where I am right now, uh, which is Rochester, Minnesota, which is going to be uh, the Mayo Clinic. And then the yeah, other one is going to be the Cleveland Clinic, uh, which has a large facility in uh, Abu Dhabi. So Dubai, really? Mayo Clinic. Uh, yeah, Abu Dhabi is going to be Cleveland Clinic. And uh, so basically the deal was, hey, we want to end up training our doctors in the U.S. facilities, training them at Cleveland Clinic, training them at, here in Rochester, and then bringing them back, bringing them back to those facilities in UAE because we want to make medicine. I mean, oil's going to run out someday. We want to make medicine kind of, uh, you know, to diversify the economy. Um, so you're going to find what they call rat lines, uh, organ harvesting rat lines, uh, near every war situation, everywhere DynCorp is doing policing. So, and this is, it goes all the way back to Kosovo. People want to just, you know, Google DynCorp and organ harvesting or, you know, DynCorp and, and Kosovo, you know. Um, but, um, so that's where it started. And these Turkish doctors, these Turkish doctors were doing all this, uh, uh, what they call it the Yellow House, it was the Yellow House. Uh, where they were taking Syrian prisoners' organs, mainly kidneys. This one Turkish doctor has done 2,000 kidney transplants. Um, so the, kids, the Turkish doctor is going to be your main uh, resource that are going to be flying around. But then there's also going to be kids 
uh, you know, uh, there's going to uh, be kids from uh, Pakistan as well going to the UAE. There's a strong relationship between Pakistan and UAE. Um, uh, so Pakistani doctors. Now, again, I'm not trying to be an anti-Muslim here, anti-Pakistan, anti-organ, uh, uh, anti-Turkish doctor. What I am is anti-organ harvesting of prisoners for profit. That's what I'm anti. Uh, and I'm just right. identifying that rat line. The other rat line is going to go from... Uh, uh, Mo- uh, not Mosul, yeah, Mosul, Mosul in uh, in Iraq through this Iranian doctor, this Iranian dollar doctor called Al-Attar. And Al-Attar is also a, a good friend of the Awan brothers, an associate of the Awan brothers. As a matter of fact, they were in the same car dealership together. So this guy, really? is, uh, this, uh, this Al-Attar has got $2.3 million in fake billing. You know, so I'm, again, I'm not throwing mud here at Muslims or or, or uh, Iraqi or Iranian doctors. I'm, I'm throwing mud at people who fake bill for 2.3 million. Uh, and he ran yeah. the rat line from Mosul to UAE for um, for people in uh, in Iraq from for for um, war, war prisoners in Iraq. And then the other rat line, of course, is on the other side over by Raqqa, R-A-Q-Q-A, and then before that was Aleppo. Uh, where's where they were running organs from from prisoners from Syrian prisoners into Turkey. That's where they were running the uh, organs. And there's films of this. There's films of this. They're they're going on there's USAID films. trucks, blue USAID trucks. The white helmets, white helmets are your uh, volunteer organization that's taking the organs to Turkey. Right. Yeah. Our our, our caring organizations here, like the white helmets. Yeah, doing the organ it's like the blue helmets in Kosovo. It's just like the blue helmets in Kosovo. They were the ones running the organs right. in Kosovo. So. Right, so the Kosovo War, like, people, for listeners who don't remember, now, Britain started that, right? When he was in office. Yes. Yeah. Right. What these, happened is, actually, they, they took... Go ahead. Go ahead. Still there? Pardon? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, they, 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 the uh, Pakistani intelligence or Pakistani ISI, which is these Awan brothers are members of this Pakistani ISI. So is the father, this Ashraf Awan. They're all Pakistani ISI. They created what they call the Mujahideen. This is Osama bin Laden. They created this Mujahideen. And the, the original uh, uh, thing was for the first 10 years was to take down the Soviet Union. And so they did. Right. Osama bin Laden was our friend. But then what they did is they starved the farmers. They got the farmers to grow their own, got the farmers to grow opium instead of food. So now we're growing opium, and they're giving the, the USAID was giving them rice. Okay, well, when they wanted them to go fight, they cut off the rice. So when they cut off the rice, they're starving right. them. You can't, eat, you can't eat opium. You can't eat opium. Even though it's expensive, you can't eat opium. So they said, okay, well, here's your choice. You can fly over to, to Albania. We'll train you to be an insurgent. You go in and kill uh, Serbs in Kosovo. And that's exactly what happened. And that Mujahideen, original Mujahideen, this is the big new Brzezinski in 1979, that original Mujahideen is still being moved from place to place. All this, this time later, 40 years later, it's still, still being moved from place to place in all these campaigns. These are the officers. There'll be other people. There'll be an Egyptian army that then take over Gaddafi, and then there'll be a Syrian army to then take, try to take over Assad uh, from Amman, Jordan. But these original Mujahideen are the ones in Chechnya. You're going to find them in Georgia. You're going to find these Mujahideen just being moved. As a matter of fact, the CIA people never even bother to use the new names they give these people. They just call them Mujahideen. 
You know, you're right. going to find them in Africa. You're going to find them uh, with Boko Haram in Africa. So it's the same group of guys. They just change their uniform. They have right. to change their patches. Yeah, there are paid terrorists. We just move them around wherever we want to attack the country. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's great because DynCorp gets the contract. DynCorp comes in. They get a long-term contract. They were in Iraq. DynCorp was in Pakistan. DynCorp was in Kosovo. DynCorp was in Bosnia. DynCorp was in Haiti. DynCorp was in Colombia. DynCorp was in uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, um, etc. All these places. DynCorp is the CIA arm that puts these rat lines in place. Um, sure. And that's just the way it is. And you can look at their records uh, for, you know, and, and, and sex trafficking as well. So you've got the sex trafficking as well. Look at Kosovo and sex trafficking. So you got a, a movie made about that. Um, and, and, and so the same pattern is being repeated in the United States. So it's DynCorp right. sheriffs in the United States, and it's this JTTF that's intimidating any police officer that gets in the way of this. And talk to any police officer. I've talked to three NYPD police officers. I have good sources uh, that, that they are scared. The NYPD yeah. is scared of the FBI counterterrorism division um, with this JTTF task force. Well, you know, you were talking about those DynCorp trained sheriffs and stuff, you know. We got a, uh, we, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, here in the police department, we got a, a, a chief of police or something in California, and I'm wondering about him. Is he DynCorp? I think he is. I think he was. Yeah. I mean, people yeah, object I don't know when he came. Uh, I, mean, I don't, so I don't what, pay attention what they try to, to do, media, so I don't... What they try to do is, is move DynCorp people around. So they infiltrate usually uh, in a county uh, along the rat line. So let's say I five rat line. You want to do every county because once you uh, right. get all the state police along the rat line, you get that set up. Then you have a landing point and a transfer point to your transfer point. So you want to set up all your rat lines, and you typically want to move your DynCorp guy along the along the rat line until you get control and put your own guy in. So you go, well, I'm going to retire and I'm going to move one county to the north, and then I'm going to put my buddy in, who's the who's the lieutenant sheriff or the assistant deputy or the deputy sheriff in as the sheriff and you keep moving your way up the rat line that's how it's done um and the uh, uh same thing for if i want to come into green bay wisconsin now you're on a great lake there are you not is lake superior is that right um lake michigan is close oh, lake here. michigan at the top you're right right mm -hmm. um, so i was thinking minnesota here with um up in duluth i was thinking duluth but yeah so a lot of these old ports are ports of entry going all the way back to Al Capone for bringing in different contraband, okay? So it's very important to control ports because those are your rat lines. That's your landing area. Um, and it's very important to control, uh, uh, like the port of Norfolk is run by the same people who did uh, the uh, overthrow in Libya, General Grange. His wife runs the port of Norfolk. I mean, it's... It's, it's, they're not trying to be subtle about this. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious. You know, the UAE, remember the UAE I was telling you about, they control 25 ports in the United States. Port Canaveral in Florida is one of them. Port of Norfolk is another one. I think there's 25 or, or 23. We signed a deal. We signed a deal for control of our ports with the UAE for a company out of UAE. And the, really? I believe the owner is from Iran, and he worked in the nuclear science program. Like it. Like their nuclear program. I mean, so if you can believe that, the UAE, check this, Google it, uh, UAE ports 23, um, and just just see what comes back if you don't believe me. Oh, I, 
I believe every word. I follow your videos along, and I and I follow <laughs> so and I believe every word. You are you know, doing such a uh, wonderful job, like no yeah. other investigator ever has, in getting to the bottom of all this. Tell us a little. Tell well, us about Chicago. Well, Focus in on Chicago. What the hell is going on there? Well, two things. I, you remember I was trying to t- – you were the co-op owner in, in Pakistan. Remember I was trying to talk you into doing a, a co-oping 12 farmers together in their land? Well, you know what I did with that land after you got hit in a car accident and after I uh, got the rest of the money from your from your husband, right, um, is I then in, invested that money in growing opium. Okay. And what I did is I I have a little factory and I slice mangoes open and I take the mango fruit out and I put little bags of heroin in there and I I seal them with wax so they're wax mangoes. Then I pack all my mangoes um, that the, the wax mangoes in the middle. I put them in a plastic bag and then I put real mangoes around them because they have this smell called limonene. L-I-M-O-N-E-N-E, limonene, and what limonene does is it throws the dogs off. The dogs smell the lemon. Okay. Smell that, that's the lemon smell, and they don't smell the mangoes. And guess what I do then? I then fly them direct. Direct. I fly these mangoes direct from Lahore, Pakistan, Punjab, Pakistan, to guess where? Chicago, Illinois. O'Hare, I fly them to O'Hare. Yeah, I fly them to O'Hare. Why do I do that? Well, you know, I, I looked at what it would cost a package for me to send a three-pound package of mangoes, six mangoes. It's $208. Right. I want to do that. Really? $208. The re- <laughs> yeah, the reason is on FedEx is I can ship a whole bunch of business documents for that three pounds, right? So that's what it's going to cost me. If I have to ship your mangoes instead of my business documents, it's going to cost you $208 to, to send it. That's just wow. the, the transportation cost, right? That's just the transportation right. cost. So how do you sell that thing? How do you sell that box of mangoes, those those six mangoes, Pakistani mangoes? How do you sell those for $18 and make any money? <laughs> well, you're not oh, going to. There's no way. There's no way. Now, if they're filled with heroin, I'll just let you know what the, the box is worth. It's worth $24,400. Now, I don't mind paying $200 in costs, in, in transport costs, if I get $24,400 for that box of mangoes. And this isn't new. This is very old. United Fruit Company used to bring in drugs from South America like this since 1900. The most recent example is Lucky Luciano brought in heroin oranges, heroin oranges. And Paul Hellowell, Paul Hellowell uh, from the CIA was the genius planner that, you know, what they did was they would bring in the drugs from Turkey through Italy where it was, uh, the opium was reduced and processed to heroin. And then they would ship it uh, with these wax mangoes in the middle of the crates uh, to New York and, and the different ports, you know, New Orleans, and uh, and, and that, that was the famous Cuba. They, they they would pack them in Cuba, 1947. So this is an old trick. It's, it's they they call it a fruit line, a mango line, whatever you want to call it, orange line. Um, sometimes people call it sugar, Sugarland Express. You'll hear um, the same kind of thing can be done with rice because the bag. The bag of rice is called a basmati, basmati bag, and that it's a very sweet-smelling bag that throws off the dogs, the frozen smell of the, off, uh, off on the dogs. Right. So, so anyway, so the Iran brothers have a rice company. You this probably knew that already. This is our government that has whole country. Yeah. What's that? I said, so this is our government doing this. It's our government that's addicting the whole country. A very small sliver a very small sliver of our government at the highest levels. Um, Hillary Clinton's involved in this. George H.W. Bush was involved in it before. 
Um, Andrew McCabe, the number two at the FBI, is involved in the counterterrorism division. You don't need many people. That's the thing. Um, for organ harvesting, to get the organ, you only need to have one hour a night from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. or about 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. You need the person to die or be near death. You need to call the pathologist to look at the slides. You need to get the the organ uh, person, the recipient in, you only need one, what I call a disorderly orderly. It's actually going to be a nurse anesthetist. It's not going to be an anesthetist. It's going to be a nurse anesthetist from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. doing the killing of these people in the hospitals. And then you're going to be bringing your donors in. There's going to be a flurry of phone calls late at night. You're going to bring in a pathologist. You're going to look and say, oh, it's a great kidney. Let's go. You're going to be doing the, the, the surgery, you know, in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. so same thing with the drug rat line in Norfolk. I only need the night shift. I only need the graveyard shift. I need, only need one guy. Um, you know, uh, the Clintons were famous with Tyson's chicken. They just used the chickens. They stuffed the drugs in the chickens. And, you know, at, on a huge Walmart. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very famous. From Mina Airport, the rat line ran right to the Tyson chicken factory. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, Bill Tyson was a big big supporter of uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, anyway, uh, if I'm if I'm packing a Walmart uh, truck, I, I have only one box for the chickens, right? Or maybe five boxes out of a huge truck, right? I just need, to, if I'm on a rat line, I only need to pull that one or two or three boxes of chicken off. I don't care about anything else on the thing. Let all the, you know, the minimum wage workers work with that stuff. I just want the chicken. Same thing with the rat, same thing with the uh, with the uh, uh, mangoes or whatever. I, I only care about the ones that have heroin in them. I don't care about the rest. So you don't need a huge organization. That's the big misconception in this. You don't need a big huge organization. You just need a couple of people who know what box is got the wax mangoes and what box has the uh, real mangoes. That's all you need to know. Right. Well, you know, you were talking about in Chicago the thing, the way they're killing people and everything. You're talking about when they get up these gangs, and like you said, you know, that they're really, they're made up these gangs to cause all this chaos and everything. But they can, they can kill somebody, and there's a company down there that they can bring the body to, and they'll get four thousand dollars cash. Five thousand. Uh, it's called Biological Resource 5, Center. It's oh. right. Across, yeah, five thousand. It's called BRC Biological Resource Center. It's in Rosemont, Rosemont, uh, Chicago. It's right across from the casino, Rosemont Casino. What you do is you bring a body there, no questions asked, five thousand dollars, and then uh, you uh, then get. Uh, usually, I think they pay you in chips. I'm not sure if they pay you in chips or cash, but anyway, if they pay you in cash, which is usually dirty cash. Um, then you go across the street, you change it into chips, and then you gamble a little bit, you know, five, you lose $50, and then you take the rest and you go back and get different cash. And so the, the casino acts as like a huge money laundering. It's called uh, cash to chips to cash. That's uh, one of the oldest money laundering techniques there is. Right. And they set these casinos up in those places on purpose, right? Absolutely. So they can um, use it for money laundering. For money laundering. Uh, and you'll find them yeah. next to hospitals, always, always close to a hospital. And uh, there's one in Detroit. Usually refrigerated storage will be there, too, because a lot of times yeah. when you don't know when the bodies are coming um, and you want to hold on. Now, you can't do that with organs because organs have a limited shelf life. But once you get the organs sold, you still want to hold on to the body uh, because you can sell uh, the bones, as I mentioned, and the bone marrow lasts for 24 days or at least 18 days in the body. Right. Um, and you can also sell the, the blood vessels, you know, uh, like in a, in, in a kidney surgery or, or there's going to be a ureter and, you know, different blood vessels and so forth. Um, you're going to want cold storage. So look for your cold storage. Look for your cold storage around your casinos. 
Um, don't sell if you're you're just if you're selling bodies. Don't throw the rest of the body away after you sell the organs. You think, oh, I made a million dollars. No, no, no. Hold on to the body too because that's got value. That's big value in the bones. Uh, bone marrow. Hey. So, it's, and so they've got long the lines. They got this all set up, don't they? All together. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's convenient. Convenient. They don't have drive-throughs yet. Yeah. Maybe they do, and I just don't know it. Uh, but um, it's uh, don't don't settle short. Don't settle short when you sell your organ um, from your from your kills. Uh, make sure you refrigerate and uh, and get the most money for your for your body. Well, you know, I was talking today to a friend, and I said. Boy, I'm telling you, you know, they got all these drug addicts and stuff in, in Chicago and killing people and bringing them over there for, well, 5000 now. I said, what a racket that is. I said, well, they're, ma- they're manufacturing addicts every day. But an addict, I mean, my God, that's a dream. $5,000? Yeah. And you can, yeah, anytime it, it, you need totally, it, you just kill totally somebody and haul them over there? That- yeah, you're exactly right. They totally go to the community. It's completely dependent on meth. It's completely dependent on... The reason why meth is really good is because people just have to have it. It's not like with the, with the heroin or the cocaine where it's a nice to have. Cocaine's a nice to have. Heroin's a gotta have. And meth is, I'm going to kill for it right now. So that's why they like yeah. the meth. Um, plus it burns through the person. So if the person does do five or six killings, then they die. The... the the dreams or the, the memories of the kills are, are gone with the person, which is, is nice, rather than having this person lingering around a lot, you know, that knows all these where all these bodies are buried. Right. Yep. Oh, this is so scary. And <laughs> it must be scary for you going along these rat lines, and the more you go, the more you find out. It's yeah. Just... Well, you know, I, so, I, I encourage everybody to Google. Google all this stuff. Google BRC, Google Rosemont Casino, see if it isn't the same person that owns them. Um, you know, just start looking and just say, you know, casino and then space, body parts. And just try that search. And, uh, casino and body or, parts? Or pain clinics. Pain clinics are another good one. Um, what's happening yeah. is these... Uh, and, and, you know, the appeal is, oh, hey, I'm Pakistani and you're a Pakistani business person. You know, let's help the home country. You know, let's take the, you know, order order uh, generics, order generic drugs from us, right? And, you know, right. I realize it's illegal and everything, but we're going to get generics and we're going to end up, you know, sending that money back to Pakistan to build schools and roads and homes and hospitals, right? So uh, yeah. and then when you do that, then um, you, you don't realize that uh, – uh, you're actually selling quarter-strength drugs, one-half-strength drugs, quarter-strength drugs, sometimes not even the right drug at all in the counterfeit drug market. Uh, and, that's, and that's how money's made in that. You're going to sell those through nursing homes where people are too old to know what they're getting, so they're going to want to increase their dosage because they're in pain. That increases your sales. And you're going to want to do it through hospital systems as well. Hospice care is a great one, and as well as uh, uh, a managed care or uh, assisted living type situations where people are older and don't really know. Uh, the other, another one you want to want to do is through veterans associations. Veterans exactly. affairs because poisoning got, our veterans. I think, yeah, you got nine or ten veterans regions. So what's great about that is there's one regional transplant center for all these for a whole region. So you're going to be able to funnel all your transplants, all your drug buying, everything. That's why the VA is such a great target because it's all it's so centralized in, in these regions. Um, and and the Awan brothers, remember them, the Awan brothers? One of their yeah. partners is uh, on the board of the VA in uh, in Virginia and, and Maryland. Now, I'm not, I haven't connected her yet, 
to this, but there's a lot of activity around Veterans Administration in Washington, D.C. with the Awan brothers. Let me just tell you that. Right. And then they're, they're targeting our veterans, aren't they? They deliberately kill them. Yeah, I think what there is, I mean, some of the stuff that you're going to hear and you're going to go, oh, this cannot be true. But if you have a group of, of, of people, and this has been going on in 139 different countries. The CIA has been running this 139 different countries. To think that they're not doing it in the United States, I'll let you make that decision. But what they do is you bring a group in, like let's say uh, the Mujahideen. I brought them into Albania, right? And I, then I went over and I took over Kosovo. Then I went over and did that same thing in Croatia. And the whole breakup of Yugoslavia is moving these Mujahideen around, right? And, I, and then I brought them to Iraq and then start that war. And then I brought them to uh, Syria and then I brought them to Libya, etc. So if you believe that groups can be moved around, they have to support themselves when they're there, that when they're not actively doing war. So you have to have some kind of things they're doing. That's rat lines. You have them sell drugs, you have them move drugs around, you have them move kids around. Not so much with the kids, but there was a, a big Somali ring here that was moving kids around. Um, uh, that gets a lot of publicity, so it's typically not a, a good thing to do. But what you can do is harass, harass and disrupt the lives of veterans because it makes people go crazy. When their, when their marriages break up and they don't understand why, when, when their children fail and don't get into different universities and they can't understand why, they don't get into certain uh, schools and so forth, and they don't get certain jobs, when they lose their job, go on unemployment, they can't seem to get a job, and they think it's them. No. Right. What's happening is surveillance is being used on when they're trying to send a job application in and small changes are made to their resume, little things. These are old CIA techniques called disrupt, called a disruption campaign. It's been around for since uh, since the Phoenix program in, in Vietnam. So you disrupt the lives of these veterans. The veterans go into a depression. You go into a depression. What do you do when you, you go into a depression? You get on drugs. You get on oxycontin. You get on all these anti, you know mood drugs and so forth. And those are the drugs that are being brought in from Pakistan, especially some India, India as well, but Pakistan uh, as as well for the counterfeiting. There it is, George. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so proud that you were willing to come on again. Okay. Let's do it again. I'll have you again soon, okay? Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.